We wish you welcome. Also, our listeners, we wish you welcome. It's good to visit with you again, too. And we pray that the Lord Jesus himself will give you his peace today, no matter what today is like. No matter what happens today, the Lord be with you and give you his peace. As long as we have peace of mind and peace of heart and peace of soul, everything's going to be all right. We're going to turn to the 23rd chapter in Matthew 21. Matthew 21, verse 23rd, we're starting in talking about the authority of Jesus. And they challenge his, the Pharisees and the scribes, uh, they challenge the Lord's authority. Because on returning to the temple, on the Tuesday morning of the Lord's last week before the cross, again the Lord is teaching the people, and it was quite a crowd that had gathered. And as he was teaching, the Lord's adversaries, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes, they came to confront him and argue with him. They probably had wanted to do that the day before when he cleansed the temple. The day after they said, I wish I'd said this or that. Because these men, and they were the rulers of the people. They're getting more assertive now and more aggressive. And they're getting ready for their great final rejection of the king. But before this comes to a head, the Lord silences all their obje objections and accusations and gives them a look in their own hateful and evil character. And it happened that they brought up a question they were not prepared to ask the Lord the day before, or they didn't think of it on that temple cleansing Monday. And now they demanded to know by whose authority he did all the things he did. Both Mark and Luke record about this. Mark says in Mark 11 verse 27, they arrived again in Jerusalem and while Jesus was walking in the temple courts, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders came to him. And Luke writes in Luke 20 verse 1, one day as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. But they still did not question what the Lord was doing. There's no way they could deny the miraculous things the Lord did. They could not question his authority, even though they wanted to know by whose authority the Lord did these things, and also who gave him this authority. See, Matthew 21, let's go to our chapter, Matthew 21, verse 23. And when he was come into the temple, the chief priests 
and the elders of the people came unto him as he was teaching and said, By what authority doest thou these things, and who gave thee this authority? So here is an official delegation from the Sanhedrin, and they even interrupted the Lord's teaching. They didn't wait until he was through teaching and came at him walking, while he was walking around the temple grounds, teaching and undercutting him. Mark 11, verse 26 and 28 says, As he was walking through the temple area, the chief priests and other Jewish leaders came up to him demanding, What's going on here? Who gave you the authority to drive out the merchants, the merchants from the temple the day before? The Philip's Bible puts it this way. What authority have you for what you're doing? And who gave you that authority? They wanted to know. And the Living Bible, by whose authority he had thrown out the merchants the day before. Stanley M. Horton in the Complete Biblical Library writes, and I quote, the double-edged nature of the question was typically Jewish. And he quotes Mark 12, verse 14 in such an example, he gives an example, and that's from the Living Bible. Teacher, these spies said, we know you tell the truth no matter what. You aren't influenced by the opinions and desires of men but sincerely teach the ways of God. And now we get the double-edged question. Then the, the other side of the coin, now tell us, is it right to pay taxes to Rome or not? Sure, the two questions were interrelated, but they were not identical. The first question challenged the authority of Jesus, was it the authority of a scribe or, or a prophet over something else? And the second question asked the source of his authority. What authority have you for what you're doing and who gave you that authority? What authority have you for what you're doing and who gave you that authority? Strike Bilderbeck in Commentatum Noin Testament comments, and I quote, the authority to teach in one's own opinion was reserved for designated by the laying on of hands rabbis. And the question would have been an appropriate starting point for a lawsuit. That's what Horton remarks. These scribes and Pharisees, as these religious leaders, did not ask their questions because they were concerned, because they wanted to know what the Lord was teaching, or that they wanted to learn. No, they were only showing what they thought was proper outrage and annoyance at the way the Lord had dealt with the men he had driven out of the temple earlier the day before, and sure what, doubted, what undoubtedly troubled them, what troubled them most was 
no doubt what had happened the day before, the cleansing of the temple. The Lord had put the pinch on their nice extra income. And now the Lord is face to face with these mighty ecclesiastical greedy rulers of the people who make up the Sanhedrin. In the manifestation of his divine wisdom, the Lord answers their questions and deals with the rulers of the temple as in the chapters that follow in the conflicts with the men who were so soon to be his accusers to deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles in the rest of the chapter. The Lord had told them early and had shown them too by many miracles of healing that his authority came from God himself, which Luke beautifully records in Luke 4, the verses 18 through 32. I'm reading this for, I feel better understanding from the Living Bible. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has appointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to announce that captives shall be released and the blind shall see that the downtrodden shall be freed from their oppressors and that God is ready to give blessings to all who come to him. And he closed the book and handed it back to the attendant and sat down while everyone in the synagogue gazed at him intently. And then he added, these scriptures came true today. And all who were there spoke well of him and were amazed by the beautiful words that fell from his lips. How can this be? They asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? And then he said, probably you will quote me that proverb Physician, heal yourself, meaning, why don't you do miracles here in Capernaum? But I solemnly declare to you that no prophet is accepted in his own hometown. For example, remember how Elijah the prophet used a miracle to help the widow of Zarephath, a foreigner from the land of Sidon? There were many Jewish widows needing help in those days of famine, for there had been no rain for three and a half years, and hunger stalked the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to them. Or think of the prophet Elisha, who healed Naaman, a Syrian, rather than the many Jewish lepers needing help. And these remarks stung them, stung them to fury. And jumping up, they mobbed him and took him to the edge of the hill on which the city was built to push him over the cliff. But he walked away through the crowd and left them.
And then he returned to Capernaum, a city in Galilee, and preached there in the synagogue every Saturday. And here, too, the people were amazed at the things he said, for he spoke as one who knew the truth instead of merely quoting the opinions of others as his authority. And all through the Lord's ministry, most of the Jewish leaders had refused to recognize that Jesus was sent from God. Some even said that he had a devil. And others took an attitude of superiority, that they were better, and did as if they could brush the Lord just out of the way. To read in John 7, the verses 14 through 20. Then midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and preached openly. And the Jewish leaders were surprised when they heard him. How can he know so much when he's never been to our schools? They asked. So Jesus told them, I'm not teaching you my own thoughts but those of God who sent me. If any of you really determines to do God's will, then you will certainly know whether my teaching is from God or merely my own. Anyone presenting his own ideas is looking for praise for himself, but anyone seeking to honor the one who sent him is good and a true person. None of you obeys the laws of Moses, so why pick on me for breaking them? Why kill me for this? And the crowd replied, you're out of your mind. Who's trying to kill you? And then John 7, the verses 46 through 48 he says such wonderful things, they mumbled. We've never heard anything like it. So you also have been led astray, the Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us Jewish rulers or Pharisees who believes he is the Messiah? And John 9, the verses 39 through 41. Then Jesus told him, I have come into the world to give sight to those who are spiritually blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And the Pharisees who were standing there asked, Are you saying we are blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus replied. But your guilt remains because you claim to know what you're doing. Even the miracles of healing the Lord did would not convince them because they did not fit into the pattern of their teachings, the traditions, the prejudices and biases 
So now the Jewish leaders were trying to talk to the Lord in trying to talk him into a corner, hoping he would say just something they could use against him. But since, as we were saying, counter-questions were a typical rabbinic debate technique, it wasn't so much to evade the question, but to expose the real issue behind the first question, as we see here in verse 24. Jesus answered and said unto them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. In verse 25, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or from men? And the answer was implied in the question. The authority of the Lord Jesus was on the same authority that had sent John the Baptist to baptize and to baptize our Lord. You probably remember as recorded in Matthew 3, verses 15 through 17, Jesus told John the Baptist, who was not quite willing to baptize the Lord, he thought it was not fit, but rather that, not fitting, but rather that he thought that he should be baptized by the Lord. But Jesus says, please do it, for I must do all that is right. So then John baptized him. And after his baptism, as soon as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down in the form of a dove. And a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son, and I am wonderfully pleased with him. So the Lord challenged the religious leaders and hushed their mouth and made them uneasy and uncertain to answer him. And again and again, the religious leaders tried to trap the Lord with his own words, words they would call blasphemy. But they didn't try to arrest the Lord or make him leave the temple grounds because they were afraid of the people. The people loved the Lord. They really were no match for the Lord. And he told them, I will also ask you one question. If you answer me, I will tell you by what authority I'm doing these things. So, here was a question for them to answer, and not only to silence them, but also to answer their question, their own question. Verse 25, the baptism of John, whence was it? From heaven or from men? Heaven was another way of saying God among Jews, many Jews, it just is not proper to speak God's name. And they reasoned with themselves, saying, If we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, Why did you not then believe him? In fact, the Jewish leaders had not believed John. They hadn't believed what John had said about Jesus either, but John's popularity kept them from putting John down, 
kept him from putting him down, from denouncing him. Actually, it was John's tremendous popularity that instigated folk to get baptized by him, even some of the Jewish leaders. So now if they would answer, yes, the baptism of John was of heaven, as they really should have said with an honest heart and conscience, but then they would not only have endorsed John's statement, then they also would have condemned their own evil and satanic instigated hatred. It almost seems that they were getting embarrassed. They didn't dare say that John was not from heaven because of the crowd. And they couldn't say that John was of God because most of themselves had not gone to John and got baptized by him, although some had tried, as we said, and John had sent them away and had called them a brood of vipers or you sons of snakes. You find that in Matthew 3, verse 7, when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming to be baptized, he denounced them. You sons of snakes, he warned, who said that you could escape the coming wrath of God? So the Lord's words, was John the Baptist sent from God or not? In verse 25, not only spoke of his authority, it also gave the Jewish leaders an opportunity to admit and confess that they were wrong in not believing John, but they didn't confess or admit to anything. All they could do was debate among themselves how they should answer. So we read in verse 25, and they reasoned with themselves or among themselves, saying, if we shall say from heaven, he will say unto us, why did you not believe him? And they wanted to keep their hold over the people, their authority over the people. To them, it was their job. It seemed that the truth did not seem to matter at all. And they were looking for what was the magic word to pacify the crowd. And see this, the Lord didn't ask them about John's authority. He asked them about the source and authority of John's baptism because the Lord Jesus did not attach authority to John, but to what he did. So if the religious leaders would say that John's authority came from men, they could very well bring the crowd, the crowd's disapproval and criticism on themselves. And Luke records that the crowd was ready to stone them that's what Luke, Luke says in Luke 20, verse 6. If we say from men, all the people will stone us, for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. Verse 26. But if we shall say of men, we fear the people, for all hold John as a prophet. 
Yeah, the Pharisees were caught in a dilemma. Obviously, they didn't see John as a prophet themselves, a speaker for God, a mouth for God, as Horton puts it. And by comparing Exodus 7, the verses 1 and 2, with Exodus 4, the verses 15 and 16, I'm sure you've read it, it, it is clear that the word prophet means a spokesman for God, someone taught by God and with God's message. As here in Exodus, Moses before Pharaoh, in Exodus 7, the verses 1 and 2, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you as God to Pharaoh, and Aaron, your brother, shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron, your brother, shall tell Pharaoh to send the children of Israel out of his land. In Exodus 40, verses 15 and 16, Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people, and he himself shall be as a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. And as W.C. Allen, in a critical and exegetical commentary on the Gospel of Matthew, says it, he says it, and I quote, If the authorities had given credence to John, they would have had no need to ask by what authority Jesus acted. If the Pharisees said that the baptism of John was only of men, they would be opposed by the people who believed John was a prophet. If they said it was from heaven, then our Lord would have said, I move by the same authority. And though they would be obliged to believe the Lord's message and affirm his deity. So they answered the Lord, We cannot tell. You find it in verse 27. And they answered Jesus and said, We cannot tell. Then Avi says, No international version, we don't know. And then Jesus said, Neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. It was obvious that they could not find a solution to their predicament. And now they refused to answer at all, or rather, instead of truthfully stating their opinions, they pretended ignorance, as read from the NIV. As we said, so they answered Jesus, we don't know. And these religious leaders were not really ignorant, but they were more stubborn than ignorant and willful too. As also much earlier in time, David, David recorded in Psalm 78, verse 8, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, 
whose spirits were not faithful to him. Horton writes, and I quote, they considered themselves the chief, chief Jews with authority over the people. And they wanted to maintain that authority and make Jesus look bad in the eyes of the people. They were in a difficult position if they acknowledged John was a prophet, since John had claimed to be the forerunner of the Messiah, then they had to acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. Their basic trouble was not intellectual at all, but moral. They were proud. They were self-seeking sinners, not honest doubters. Had they been honest, then Jesus could have helped them. When the Jewish leaders refused to answer, when they refused to answer the Lord's question, Jesus in turn refused to answer theirs and told them that if they could not identify the authority of John, then he did not need to tell them by what authority he cleansed the temple. The point, of course, was that they were not seeking a real answer as they knew that the Lord claimed his authority was of God. And they would not accept John's authority as being from heaven. So, of course, they would not accept the authority of the Lord Jesus either. Arno C. Gablin, in his book, The Gospel of Matthew, writes, and I quote, Miserable, self-condemned, dishonest men they were. Alas, how much of the same spirit and worse is found today among the self-appointed ecclesiastical rulers of the people who reject the Christ of God. The Lord refuses to discuss with them this question. And he said unto them, Neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. The question they had asked him, he had answered. He is the Messiah. He is the King. He is the Christ. He is the Son of God. And as to that, he was about his father's business. And that was the authority for him to cleanse the temple. The temple. His father's house. and his own. May he bless you.